Logical Progression, Year 4, Chapter 13, Lesson 1. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين ولا أقبة للمتقين ولا عذبان إلا على الظالمين وصلوات الله وسلامه على شرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جاءت وسهلا وأنت تجل الحزن إذا شئ سهلا اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته ما شاء الله جزاكم الله خير it's, uh, it's wonderful to see so many people so many old faces, so many new faces, alhamdulillah, from both the brothers and the sisters. And um, alhamdulillah, this is the first and opening session, or the introduction to Kitab al-Salah, which is, of course, the main book that we will cover from Zad al-Mustaqni'a. It is uh, the fifth text that we're, we're going through, nice and slow and steady, in detail, to make sure that we learn Adin the proper way. And alhamdulillah, we finished off the three years covering Kitab al-Tahara, which is the book of purification. And so I will talk a little bit about this, inshallah, in the, uh, in the next few moments. But as alhamdulillah, as you know, whenever we have a major moment uh, in our class, then we always uh, invite uh, our Shaykh, Shaykh Abdul Ghaffar, to recite some Qur'an and some ayat al-munasibah, yani those verses which are relevant to the particular study that we are doing. And so Shaykh will recite two uh, portions today, inshallah, with, uh, with uh, my translation. And that will be from Sud Maryam. And I hope that you can listen and imbibe the meaning of these verses. Jazakumullah khair. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Wadhkur fil kitab ismail. إنه كان صادق الوعد وكان رسولا نبيا وكان يأمر أهله بالصلاة والزكاة وكان عند ربه مرضيا واذكر في الكتاب إدريس إنه كان صديقا نبيا ورفعناه مكانا عليا أولئك الذين أنعم الله عليهم من النبيين من ذرية آدم وممن حملنا مع نوح وممن حملنا مع نوح ومن ذرية إبراهيم وإسرائيل ومن من هدينا واجتبينا إذا تتلى عليهم آيات الرحمن خروا سجدا وبكيا فخلف من بعدهم خلف أضاعوا الصلاة واتبعوا الشهوات فسوف يلقون غيا إلا من تاب وآمن وعمل صالحا فأولئك يدخلون الجنة فأولئك يدخلون الجنة ولا يظلمون شيئا جنات عدن التي وعد الرحمن عباده بالغيب إنه كان وعده مأتيا 
لا يسمعون فيها لغوا إلا سلاما ولهم رزقهم فيها بكرة وعشيا تلك الجنة التي نورث من عبادنا من كان تقيا And these were the prophets that God blessed, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed from the seed of Adam alayhi salam and of those that we carried in the ark with Noah and from the seed of Ibrahim and Israel and those that we guided and chose. When the revelations of the Lord of mercy were recited to them, they fell to their knees and wept. But there came after them generations <coughs> who neglected prayer and were driven by their own desires. These will come face to face with their evil. But those who repent, who believe, who do righteous deeds, will enter paradise. They will be not wronged in the least. They will enter the gardens of lasting bliss, promised by the Lord of mercy to his servants. It is not yet seen, but truly his promise will be fulfilled. There they will hear only peaceful talk, nothing bad. There they will be given provision morning and evening. That is the garden we shall give as their own to those of our servants, who were devout. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Qad aflahal mu'minun Alladheena hum fi salatihim khashi'un Walladheena hum anillawwi mu'ridun Walladheena hum lizzakati fa'ilun والذين هم لفروجهم حافظون إلا على أزواجهم أو ما ملكت أيمانهم فإنهم غير ملومين فمن ابتغى وراء ذلك فأولئك هم العادون والذين هم لأماناتهم وعهدهم راعون والذين هم على صلواتهم يحافظون أولئك هم الوارثون الذين يرثون الفردوس هم فيها خالدون Indeed, how prosperous are the believers, those who pray humbly, who shun idle talk who paid prescribed alms, who guard their chastity, except with their spouses or those their own. With these, they are not to blame. But anyone who seeks more than this is exceeding the limits. They are those who are faithful to their trusts and pledges and who keep up their prayers. And they will rightly be given paradise as their own, there to remain forever. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. So, again, we thank Shaykh Abdul Ghaffar, Hafidahullah Ta'ala wa Ra'ah. I ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to bless him and to increase him in his knowledge and his recitation of the book. I ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to make an evidence for him and not against him. I ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala to allow this Qur'an that he recites to raise him in his status with Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala as the Prophet Sallallahu said in the hadith which is authentic. Rise and increase rising with the way that you recite the Quran, and it's a reminder for us to increase on our <coughs> recitation of the Quran. <coughs> so, Alhamdulillah, um, 
Kitab al-Salah, obviously we are covering a book of fiqh. We have a lot of people here, uh, a lot of people, of course, who are um, uh, those who started three years ago, and then those that continued. Many people then, you know, tailed off. And to be honest, I don't blame anyone tailing off, considering the amount of detail that we went into, into Kitab al-Tahara. You see, uh, uh, you would have thought, if you're new to studying fiqh, uh, Islamic law, then you would have thought that you start by the most important things. And actually, they don't come more important in fiqh than the prayer. However, of course, it's not possible to pray without purifying yourself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhaladzina amru, idha qumtum ila salah, faghsilu wujuhakum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, O oh, you who believe, when you stand up for prayer, then wash your faces and your, uh, and your hands until your elbows and so on and so forth. So it's clear that before you pray, you have to wash yourselves. And so that's why always when you study law, you will always start with the chapter of purification. And as you've seen for the last three years, purification is no small matter. It's a huge subject and it covers so many things. Those actual items that we can use or that products or substances that we can use to purify ourselves, the nature of water and the different types of dirt and the, the concepts of other products which might clean. And then the process of cleaning. How does one clean an area? How does one clean one's clothes? How does one clean oneself in a minor way and in the major way? Is there a concept of a physical impurity and a spiritual impurity? Yes. What's the difference between them? And so on. And then you have the specific states. You have the impurity that one, occur, one, one obtains or one falls into when they go to sleep or when they go to the toilet or when they have marital relations. And then, of course, those which are female-specific, such as menstruation and postpartum bleeding and so on and so forth. And these are huge subjects that have required a lot of detail. And alhamdulillah, bifadlillah, we covered that over the last three years. And this is a class, as you know, which is not like um, what we would cover in a weekend seminar, where we choose the most important parts and put it into a nice package which we can present over a weekend or two weekends. And I think that that's a very important tool that we have in the box to make sure that we propagate this religion to the widest uh, possible audience. But Islam has classically and traditionally always been taught this way that we're actually studying right now. And I've made it a very clear point that despite many pressures, many pressures, and the kind of pressure what I mean is where the class falls down to only a few people because the nature of going through the classical way is that it is long and that it is slow and that it is detailed and that we would look at the Arabic even though you don't understand it. But of course we're explaining the words and translating them and explaining what they mean. And so that shouldn't inhibit anyone. But by everyone's nature, when something gets longed out, people start to fall by the wayside. And so um, I want you to know that um, this isn't where I have researched the subject and put it forward to you and speaking from my own self. No, we are being very, very clear about the methodology that we're using. We take a classical uh, essay or fiqh text, a metan is called in Arabic. And we take that actual text and we use a commentary of another scholar to actually explain what that text means. However, because both are in Arabic and because both are what we would consider at the scholarly level, you need someone else to unlock the commentary to unlock the original text. And that's my role. And so what I will do is I will explain the commentary to the actual text itself. Hopefully by, by that aiming for making, to make you understand the subject very well. This is an informal class. It's a very legal and very classical class, but it's an informal style class, meaning that we take questions uh, 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 within the class and, and so on. And those that are regulars to this lesson and have been following LP for years, they will know that you know, these first few lessons are the most irritating because you know, this is where everyone's taught the kind of the, 
you know, the basics and whatever. And, and the, the, you know, the old students have heard this so many times. So I'd ask you guys to bear with it. I know that it sounds boring and irritating, but you were all beginners once as well three years ago and we had to do it. And so I will, inshallah, in this session also introduce you to Paul too. I know that people are watching us on Facebook live at the moment. And of course, that will have its own problems. Actually, not only just the connection because it's based upon a Wi-Fi connection and the fact that it doesn't have our virtual classroom. So you're only seeing what you're seeing in front. Whereas if you're watching this class as you should be, either here in front of me now in the masjid, which is of course the correct adab, the correct method if you're local. And I encourage the sisters who are only in a very local area to do that. Those that are, need to travel, I encourage them to use the online portal instead. But then those that are joining us from the, around the world, and there are many, alhamdulillah, by the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then when you use logicalprogression.org, the URL, the actual site itself, and you sign in, then not only do you get the video in the, the right way, and everyone who's standing, who's here, can see the screen and what it looks like, um, you'll, you'll not only be able to see the video in the correct way and in the correct uh, format, it's a 1080p, very nice, high quality, but you'll also be able to see the Arabic text that we're taking from, you'll also be able to see the English text that we're reading from, and you're also able to simultaneously write your notes as well. Anything that you find interesting, anything that you didn't understand, then you write. And that system therefore allows everyone of different levels to do whatever they want. There are some people who don't even look at the English translation, they don't write any single thing down, but what they're doing, just reading along with their own mind, with their, with their own eyes, they're following the Arabic text that they have at home or on the screen and just listening to my explanation to see whether I say something which is new or different to what they already know. That will be the advanced student of knowledge. And then you've got those books which are so basic that they don't know what, what the Arabic text means, they can't look at it, can't read it, but they know that I'm referring to the English text and explaining it. So the, the portal is where it's at, it's got something for everyone, and I really encourage everyone that um, found it difficult to stay with us for the last three years to make this effort for this chapter particularly. And that's for a few reasons. The first reason is that Kitab al-Salah is covering the single most important act of worship that we have. And I'll just stop there for now. The second reason is that as a subject goes, it's actually really easy. And anyone who studies law, anyone who studies law and studies the intricacies of fiqh and differences of opinion, you'll actually find that when it comes to purification or transactions, or a few of these other kind of, you know, weird and wonderful subjects or sub-areas, sub they're actually quite tricky. And sometimes to explain it is not easy, especially if the subject itself is using measurements and concepts which are ancient. So, for example, when we're talking about trying to understand a mode of cleaning or washing or bathing or whatever, then all the time we're thinking about our modern, you know, reality of, of, of limitless water, showers, taps, uh, you know, liters and, and things like this. And whereas, with, whereas with the prayer, there's no change in what happened then until what happened now. The prayer has been preserved exactly. There's no such thing as the Iraqi kind of measurement of the prayer versus the, the Medinan measurement of the prayer. And that's a re reference, of course, to the, uh, the use of volumes in, in, the, in, the, chapter, in the chapter of, of, of using, of measuring uh, food and, and so on. And so I'm just saying that as an actual subject to follow and understand is something very, very important. And the third reason is, other than its importance and other than its ease, is its relevancy. Every single aspect of Kitab al-Salah is relevant. It happens right away. What you learn, you apply straight away. And one of the blessings of, of this actual chapter, being able to put it in straight away, is that if you use a good enough commentary, then the, comment, the commentator, even though it's a legal fact, and there's no right 
actually to find a heart softener or to find something spiritual in a book of law. There's no right. That's not what you're there for. You're there to go and get a job done. It's not meant to be an enjoyable process. It's meant to be rote memorization and learning and so on and so forth. But hopefully if it's done right, and especially if the commentator does it right, then you'll be able to, to uh, 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 almost kind of like squeeze out some of those more, uh, more heartfelt and more, I guess, deeper understandings of the actions, the wisdoms, the rulings, and the like. And so this is something which I hope that uh, you will pick up on and hopefully you will take part in. So inshallah, a little bit later, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a... Uh, uh, um, do you have that, uh, Shaz, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, on the iPad, like I said to you, the, um, the website? Yeah. Yeah. I want to just show you um, what the actual website looks like because there are, as I said, so many people... And it's it's a um, it's a good opportunity for us to um, give you kind of a general idea. Now, those those who are online uh, will be able to see it on their screen, but I've just for the sake of Facebook, I don't think this is going to come across very well. It's not very uh, yeah okay, that's good. So once you're into the actual uh, screen, are you showing the main screen, Chad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once you're at, you can see it on the big screen up there. Once you're into the actual screen itself here, this is what's called the homepage then you can see a number of different options at the, at the top there. And once, um, when you want to watch the actual lesson itself, then you will click on what it says live session. Once you click on the live session, you will then see that you've got the video which is coming up and this will be playing, okay? And then at the same time, you will see the comments which are uh, on, the, uh, on the side and you have these tabs. And if you look at these tabs, just just here, okay, you'll see that you can select the Arabic and you can select the English to display at the same time. And in this corner here, you can write your notes. And all of that is saved for you automatically. Whenever you go back, you'll find it there. So for example, if I click on a Shaf Mumtit, which I have, then the Arabic is now displayed. And if I click on this here, then the text in English, which is the translation, which is the Arabic followed by the English translation, is displayed. And for those who want to go back, and this is the great thing about this, is that if we go back up here and we go to resources, which is at the top there, which is resources, okay, then you'll be able to find all of the last three years of lessons, all of the videos, all of every single lesson video is there, every single lesson's audio is there, and also if you don't have the time to watch it all, then you, you have a revision uh, notes and slides that have been done at the bottom at the end of each year. Likewise, you have access to all of the written notes which are transcribed, meaning every single thing that was said with all of the references that I use is there by the transcribing team. So I just want you to know that there is an incredible amount of effort and a, a huge group of volunteers that service this um, this entire project. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless them all. I'd like to say that I want to thank for, uh, you know, to go on the record and thank the brothers and sisters from Prophetic Guidance, who you see physically here, setting up the physical kind of setup uh, on site, and then those that you don't see who are setting up the online system, which is a great task, and there are many of them. And then, of course, the transcribing team, which is, which is its own like six, seven member team, which every single week they coordinate with one another to take portions of the video and write and research and you know, weed out mistakes and errors and, and so on and so forth. 
and, and that's, that's awesome. I'd like to thank Al Maghrib Institute, which has put all of its computing power and its resources behind it, and of course Chidu Masjid as well, which has always supported us uh, by, by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, always supported us from the very beginning and allowed us to uh, spread this blessing of sacred knowledge in Chidal in South Manchester to the masses, alhamdulillah. So, I want to just now just give a introduction to Salah itself. Now, Sheikh um, Al-Uthaymeen, in his commentary when it comes to this, he doesn't actually go into too much detail with respect to the prayer. Because like I said, the book, uh, a scholar, when he's teaching law, he's not meant to be taking on the added burden of reminding the people, if that makes sense. That's the job of the khatib, you know? I mean, if you look and reflect upon why so many of us get upset, so many of us get upset at the khatibs that do Jum'ah, and why we don't like going to Jum'ah khutbah, because the quality of the, the khutbah is so poor, um, you'll only really understand it when you study the deen. When you actually study the religion and from its sources, you'll recognize that, you know, if you don't stick to your job, then everyone gets, then everyone messes up. You see, the scholar of fiqh, he should stick to his job. It's nice that he says something which you think, oh wow, that's so interesting. You know, outside of the normal legal kind of mundaneness. That's nice, that's really interesting intellectual point. And sometimes you might throw in a point where, did you see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did this? And you feel like, you know, alhamdulillah, and you say subhanAllah. But his job is not there to make you cry and to make you, yani, you know, want to really kind of, you know, go and pray. And oh, I, I, did, I did, today, the first lesson, we covered the word salah and all its meanings. Now I really want to pray. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to happen. Because the first entire two pages of all the different commentaries of this particular commentary just start off by defining the word salah, which couldn't get more dry and legal, to be honest. Okay? So that's not going to be the thing which is going to wake you up and revive your iman. That's the job of the, the, the wa'ad, yani the, the wa'ad, the one who reminds, the one who gives wa'ad, Okay, the one who ad, uh, admonishes, gives admonition, that's his job. That's the khatib's job. That's the poet's job. That's the storyteller's job. To say these kind of things in a very kind of, you know, nice and chilled way to make your heart soft. And that's why we get so disappointed when we go to Jummah Khutbah and it's basically a news broadcast. Okay, it's just another political broadcast at, at, by so-and-so party or it's the news at 10 and it's just basically a discussion of the politics of the world and what everyone has, you know, done wrong and why you're going to hell and all the rest of it, you know. The idea is, and this is very important, that people often miss and anyone who wants to study this properly, you'd look at Ibn al-Qayyim and that's probably the best analysis of the Jummah Khutbah that's possible in Zad al-Ma'ad, how he described the Khutbah of the Prophet You know that the Prophet once stood on the member and what he did, he said, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Salatu Wasalam, Rasulillah, and he recited Surah Al-Qaf, and that's it, in two portions, and then he started the prayer. That was the Khutbah, the recitation of Surah Al-Qaf, because the Khutbah is meant to be a reminder. Now, obviously, that wouldn't work today because people wouldn't understand what it meant, okay, which wouldn't be much difference to most of us when we go to Khutbahs anyway. But, yani, still, you get the point that the people understood the Arabic and they took upon the lesson, and that's it. And Qaf, as you know, is the perfect Khutbah material. It is that which reminds us of who we are. It reminds us of the folly of this dunya. It reminds us of the, 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 the danger of sin. And it also reminds us of the excellence and the beauty of paradise. And so it's everything. It's the whole circle, the full shabam. And you know what? That's what people need. You see, the Jummah Khutbah is the only what's agreed upon amongst the scholars. And we're going to be covering all of this in a lot of detail. It's the only super clear obligation that they agree upon that you have to go to the masjid for. I want you to think about that statement. So when it comes to the obligatory prayers, like you know Fajr and Dhuhr and Maghrib and Asad Maghrib and Isha, these are obligatory prayers. 
But the scholars differed over whether it is obligatory to pray them in the masjid. They differed over that, okay? And we'll cover that obviously in its right time and place. And when it comes to the Salatul Janazah, which is often prayed in the masjid but sometimes prayed outside, they differed over whether it is an absolute obligation or something less than that. And when it came to the Eid prayer and whether that's prayed in the masjid or outside, they differed over whether it's obligatory to pray that or something less than that. Okay, three positions Sunnah Mu'akkada or something which is uh, the wajib at the level of just a few people or obligatory upon every single person. But the one obligatory prayer which they never differed over was the Jumu'ah prayer. They all agree that it is an absolute individual obligation upon every able male. The women not included, children not included, and travelers not included. And the idea behind that, and, and I want you to think about this, the traveler not included. The Prophet ﷺ never praised travel. Never praised travel. And often when you think about this, the traveler is the one who doesn't get to pray Jumu'ah. Okay? And you might think that's a great concession. Alright, it's brilliant. For me, it's a wonderful to be traveling. Because the Jumu'ah khutbah is so poor, I'd rather be traveling here, no khutbah. Okay? But imagine that the khutbahs were great. And imagine that the khutbahs did actually remind you of Allah. Then if you're traveling, and you keep telling yourself, it's not obligatory upon me, it's not something I need to do, then you remain in that state where a whole week has gone past, where you haven't been obliged to go to the masjid. And you are by yourself often when you're traveling. And that's why the Prophet said that the traveling is a portion of punishment. And a lot of people focus on the physical reality of the fact that it's a portion of punishment. You know, back in the day, it was really tough walking in massive distances, riding massive distances and getting nowhere. And people think that today with, you know, cars and motorways and smooth roads and airlines and first class and business class and God knows what, that somehow that's changed. It hasn't. Because the second you leave home and you are traveling, the punishment starts. Being away from your family, the punishment starts. Being away from your wife, the punishment starts. Being away from your bed, the punishment starts. Being away from your food, punishment starts. So there is a physical uh, punishment and a reality which many people comprehend. What people often miss is that once you're a traveler, there are other certain realities that will affect your spirituality or your ability to be revived in terms of your heart. And that Jumu'ah Khutbah is the key thing which is missing. So I want you to know that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obliged every single person, every single person other than travel, to go to the masjid to listen to this Khutbah, and then on top of that, the threat upon those people to say anything, and not, not only to say anything or to speak out loud, but even to stop someone else saying something, so someone else is speaking, you turn around, whatever, meaning that not only do you have to go, but you have to completely focus on this message, because this guy is going to really save your week. That's what Allah is saying. This guy that you're sitting in front now, on this moment, at this one day of the week, the best day of the week, I have made obligatory upon you, and you're going to go, because you know what, I've told you a lot of things throughout the week that you're going to be doing, but you're going to be up, down, up, down, but this one you've got to really, really deal with. You've got to be there. And then this khatib, his job is to think like this person, who has probably not been to the masjid all week, who's working all this time, his prayer probably, either he's not praying or he's praying at home, quick little jobs, if he's praying Fajr, we say Alhamdulillah. But if he is praying Fajr, he's probably not praying it in a masjid. And we know what kind of Fajr that is. That's the Fajr where you choose the shortest route to the bathroom and you choose the shortest route back and you pray as close to your bed and the dhikr happens back in bed under the duvet. It's a prayer which is done half conscious, don't know what's going on, no, no sunnah of any kind of nature whatsoever of coming out and waking up and using the fresh air to wake up, walking to the masjid, praying in the masjid, whatever. that's a big, huge sacrifice. Let's actually get back to the actual prayer itself. If he is praying, the quality is poor. He's not yani, read the Quran or seen the Muslims or spent time with good company. And so therefore, genuinely, other than the, just the rhetoric, okay, it's not just a cliche, 
This Jum'ah is a jump start of his heart battery. That's exactly what it's meant to be. So this person, when he hears that khutbah and that reminder, the salah which comes after it is meant to be the greatest prayer of his week. And you know why? Because the Prophet ﷺ said that it is from the fiqh and the knowledge of a person, meaning the khatib, who makes the khutbah short and the prayer long. Meaning the focus is not the actual khutbah, it's the prayer. Meaning the khutbah is not meant to be a one-hour presentation upon the state of the Muslims, or a half-an-hour presentation about the analysis of what's going on in Egypt, or whatever. A reminder to make dua and to make people responsible for what's going on is obvious and should be done. But the idea there is to remind people that, you know what, whatever you're doing in this week, if you have not been part of the masjid and the community and the deen and the salah and the jama'ah, then you really need to get back to it because you are on the edge. And here's something for you to remind you of Allah. And they're told about Jannah and they're warned about Jahannam and they enter that prayer and it's a long elongated prayer, a slow one, where you actually live your deen, where you connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's the power of salah. That is the power of salah. The surahs that we know from the sunnah that were recited in Jum'ah are those which are 10 times the length of the surahs that we see recited today. Because people overstep their, their talking in the khutbah, and then because there's two minutes left, and everyone's absolutely getting freaking out because they get back to work. It's and out of the door, and that's it. And so I want you to know that our lack of understanding of our roles is essential to understand what kind of mess we are in general. And so when you see a scholar and he's doing what he's meant to do, understand what his actual role is. Hold people accountable to their roles. And so having said that, I am giving you from myself some of, the, uh, some of my experiences that I want to share with you of just how important the prayer is. Because as I, as I tell everyone when I teach Fiqh Salah, uh, the Divine Link, meaning the Al-Maghrib weekend course, I say if there's one thing, if there's one thing that needs absolutely no trailers and no promos and no, yani, uh, you know, no rhetoric to sell and no emotional kind of whatever, it's the prayer. Because the prayer sells itself so well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emphasizes the prayer so, so well. The Prophet ﷺ made it such an emphasis in his life. The Prophet ﷺ made it the most important connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you have prayer, you have Allah. If you don't have prayer, you have no one. So the one who is negligent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in worshipping him, like he deserves, not like he needs, like he deserves, the one who is negligent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will never be able to fulfill the rights of any of the creation. Whoever is not showing khair to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is not showing generosity and open-heartedness when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when it comes to performing yani, your thanks and showing your gratitude, they will never show khair to anyone else from the creation. How can they be? How can they show khair? And any attempt to show any kind of khair will be something which is fake or deficient or unaccepted. It doesn't matter how many, it doesn't matter how many people of any sort, of any kind that you try to help and serve and whatever, if you do not worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I don't care what kind of activist you are, I don't care what kind of charity work you are, I don't care how good you are to your parents, if you don't worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and look after the one who created your parents and who gave you the ability to give charity and gave you the intellect and opportunity to be active in your activism, then you've done nothing and you're wasting your time. And that is the importance of salah. This is the importance of salah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the, the Prophet sallallahu this prayer on what he described as the greatest night of his life. 
the greatest night of his life. This Mi'raj, uh, 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 the later Isra al Mi'raj, is a very well known story. We all read about it when we were young, and we, we, you know, we uh, even practice it in Sha'aban, some of us, and so on, and commemorate it. The Isra is the night journey from Mecca to Aqsa, but the Mi'raj is the ascension of the Prophet through the heavens. Not only does he lead the, 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 the prophets, all of the prophets, what's in? In prayer. It wasn't a dhikr session, it wasn't a recitation, a recitation of the Qur'an, it wasn't a chat, but it was the prayer, the one act of worship which has generically been established from the very beginning until the very, very end. It is the way that we thank our Lord. In prayer he leads them, he establishes his afdaliyya, his excellence over all of the prophets, and he doesn't boast about that. He then ascends through the heaven, and he, after he has already led them, he then is involved in conversations with each of these prophets as he keeps going higher and higher. The most interesting of them, of course, and I don't want to you know, uh, go over something which you know very well, but the most interesting of these conversations is with Sayyidina Musa alayhi, uh, alayhi And of course he goes to what we consider to be the highest possible position that is humanly and even non-human, meaning the, the angelic realm, possible. He went to Asidrat al-Muntaha, to the, the, just by the side of the low tree. A place where Jibreel said, I can't go any further, it's now just you. It's now just you. So when he was left, he was left on the greatest night of his life, on the greatest moment of his life, at the highest point that a man can ever, ever reach, in the greatest audience possible. And that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who said to this prophet of his, that I have obligated upon you, 50 prayers, 50 prayers. And the Prophet ﷺ is literally delighted, delirious in happiness that he has, been, he has been noticed, he has been recognized, and his nation has been given something to actually worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala back with. I want you just to reflect upon that point. That we have been given something to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala back with. Imagine that we didn't have the prayer. Imagine that we had to try and get the happiness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without the prayer. Imagine we had to try and work it out ourselves. What would have happened to this nation? What would have happened to this nation is what happened to the Christians. Where the whole nation as a whole leaves off the prayer, and those yeah, tiny minority that actually still do, they make it up as they go along. And all kinds of statements, all kinds of words, here and there, the odd moment, Sunday there, the odd New Year's Mass there, whatever, TV program, songs of praise, amen. I don't know what kind of bakwas it is. But the point is, is that it will be here and there, here and there little things. People will absolutely just flit away as is the nature of humankind. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligated upon mankind knowing what happened to the Jews and the Christians before, giving us a ritual prayer which is keeping us in the game. Keeping us in the game. And I always say that. Because when this prayer came back with the Prophet and remember, and remember, when the Prophet came to Musa on the way back down, it's like he's gone now. That's it, I'm done, I'm off to do this 50. And, and Musa is like, whoa, just, just tell me what happened up there. And Musa, you know, he, he wants to help him out. He's the experienced guy, he's the bigger brother, he's the older brother, he's got the experience. And Sayyidina, uh, 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 and the Prophet he says, well, I was given 50 prayers. And you know me, I'm happy with that. And so Musa said, you know what, your people cannot handle that. You know, you might think you can handle it, but your people can't handle that. You know, and the Prophet is now stuck between, you know, it's, it's a difficult situation here. 
Because on one hand, his older brother is telling him what he needs to do. On the other hand, it's not like, his, it's not like someone insignificant gave him the prayer. It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who gave him the prayer. Yet out of respect and love and, and, and reverence of his older brother, he goes back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says, that is it possible for it to be reduced. And it was reduced. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reduced it to 45. And so a five prayer reduction happens. And then what's incredible about this entire narration, as I tell my students, is that he goes back to Musa salam, who tells him the exact same thing. And I want you to imagine the awkwardness, the yani level max, okay, of this situation, where you're happy and your older brother is saying you have to go back. And you're going back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you don't know. You're happy with something and you're still asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reduce it. And this happens again and again and again. And that's a tiring process. Not just physically, just the mental kind. Just imagine the mental stress of having to address Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this manner. Let's imagine that. And you're going back and forth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is each time reducing it, reducing it, reducing it. Until it finally comes down to five. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turns to the Prophet and says that it is five as well. It is five and it is considered 50. Meaning it was all a plan. Meaning it was all intended. Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed everything in place right there for this entire mashaqqa to happen in order for one thing and one thing alone. And that is to teach this Prophet ﷺ the value of the prayer. So that when he sees what I had to go through to get this prayer, I feel the value of the prayer. So when he came down to this dunya, there was not a single person who did not invest in that prayer as much as he did. And that's why the people were shocked and they were amazed. They couldn't understand just how connected he was. When, he, when people are expecting that my, my, my the joy of my life and my eyes has been placed in, and they're probably thinking women and food and relaxation, he goes, the prayer. He goes, that's when I'm most happy and relaxed. When he goes to Sayyidina Bilal, you know, let, let us chill by, and you probably end the finished sentence by bringing me a sofa or giving me some cold water or whatever. He, know, he said, Arihna bisalah. He goes, make the adhan so we can chill by entering the prayer. Every kind of statement that you would think that someone else would put a different word in, the Prophet ﷺ substitutes the prayer. Because for him, the prayer was life. The prayer was life. And when the companions, especially his wives, would see him praying throughout the night, constantly, all this time, they were, they were not just surprised, but they couldn't understand why. Because it's a man who's been forgiven all his sins. And so if you've been forgiven all your sins, then why do you need to commit yourself so much to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He knows yani, what you're doing, and that's sufficient. And he, you know what he said. He said, should I not be a grateful slave? Abadan shakura? Should I not be someone who is shakir? Someone who is actually grateful? And so what I want to, I want to, want to say to you is this, is that with what the Prophet did, and with the way that he was able to express that to his companions, and they, they saw it practiced. And they saw it practiced and they saw it lived. And when someone sees the prayer lived, it inspires people. And that's why, I tell you something now, that tiny group of people, 300 odd original people, they turned into a nation of 2 billion or whatever it is at this moment in time. Okay, And that can only happen when people see with their own eyes the real impact of what a religion can do for you and a belief can do for you and what faith can do for you. And that happened through the prayer. Because the number one practice of worship and the most common practice that we ever observe from the Muslim masses is the prayer. It's the quintessential act of worship. It is our primary pillar. When it comes to the five pillars of this deen and after the shahada of Allah, 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 Allah Muhammad Rasulullah, which is a belief, which is of course the absolute first thing and it's what makes you Muslim, 
The next thing which actually makes you Muslim, so Iman is the statement, but from the actual action and acting upon that Iman, it's through the prayer itself. And so that's why we will see and cover in serious detail, and it has very serious connotations, that the one who leaves the prayer, leaves the faith. Yani one who leaves the prayer, فَقَدْ كَفَرْ as the Nabi Sallallahu said. In the other hadith, that between the Muslim and shirk, between al-Muslim, وَبَيْنِ الْمُسْلِمِ وَبَيْنِ الشِرْكِ تَرْقَ الصَّلَاةِ The leaving of the prayer. Meaning that you have shirk here, and you have Islam or the Muslim here, and the prayer is the barrier. And once the prayer falls, then there is nothing in between. There is nothing in between and you are seen as just one. And that's why if you understand this, you understand this, and you understand when the Prophet ﷺ wanted to send Mu'adh ibn Jabal who was the scholar of the companions, the most knowledgeable of the halal and haram, the big scholar of them. And he said, go and give the da'wah to the people. And when he specifically sent him to open up Yemen, and he said to, so he said to them, go and tell them, go and tell them, that la, la ilaha illallah, and that Muhammad is a Rasulullah. Go and tell them that and prove it to them. And if they accept that, if they accept that, then you tell them, tell them, and Allah tarda alayhim khamsa salawatin fi kulli yawm wa layla. The very next thing you tell them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obligated upon them five prayers in every day and night. Five prayers. That's the single most important thing. And that's why my brothers and sisters, not only is it so important for us to learn, because it's what keeps us in the game, but when we're giving da'wah to others, we call the people to the prayer. We don't call the people to fast, we don't call the people to activism, we don't call the whatever. We want to get them praying, because once they're in the prayer, they're in the game. They're in the game. You have someone you can work with. You have someone who understands the bigger picture. Because the one who does not accept the precept of the prayer, the reasons of the prayer, doesn't understand himself, doesn't understand Allah. The one who does not believe that they owe their entire lives to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not in the game. There is no hope for that person. You are genuinely just down on, on, on prayers. That's it. Just do'a for that person. And so that's why it's, you know, from a, from a I know that it's a, a fiqh class should go straight into the legalities, but we must start with this, these original facts. We must start with these original facts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obligated this prayer for our own benefit. It's what helps us. It's that opportunity for us to reconnect with our fitrah. How many people, how many people who didn't actually know the value of the prayer, didn't even care for the value of the prayer, but once they fell into prostration, something clicked. Something happens down there. Something happens. And people give all these kind of explanations. They say, ah, the aql is the most valued thing that we have. It's the one thing which differentiates us between us and the rest of the animal kingdom, which is correct. We are certainly the most intellectual animal or animate object, if you like. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, it being put on the floor is the utter kind of sign of humility to something else. And you could go and rationalize that as much as you want. I'm just telling you that as soon as your head goes down, something happens. You're back home. That's it. That's where we belong. Kulukum in Adam wa Adam in All of you. Doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter how great you are, but you are all from Adam, and Adam is from dust. Adam is from dust. So get your head down and just realize where you belong to be. This is where you should be. This is where you belong. With your head down in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who created you from nothing. Nothing. It is not difficult for Allah to create you, and it's not difficult for Allah to take you. You are His. Inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raji'un. 
When you die, people don't celebrate or say that what a great this or what a great that. They say, you know what? We belong to Allah and to Allah we went back. In the akhar, That's what we say when someone passes. When someone passes, this is the sunnah. To say, what is Allah's is what he takes. And it is Allah's what he gives. And for every single thing, there is an apportioned time. And so we have to understand that the prayer itself is our wasila, our means, our means to be able to achieve that basic objective of thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I hope that as an introduction to this, uh, as, a, as an introduction to the importance of this chapter, that it's not lost upon any single person, why we must keep in the game. Not just because it's an obligation, not just because it's the way to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but because we need it as well, for our own sanity. There are many people here who might not you know, care about this, the technical reasons, whatever this, that, or how important it is, but they know that they need it. They know. And once they go on that prostration, whether that's in that tough work day where they've worked all of those four or five hours in the morning and lunch comes, had to do all kinds of people and nonsense and retail bakwas. Everyone knows the what I'm talking about if you're in retail. And you need that little break. You put your head down and you realize this is what it's all about. And so we can work with these kind of people and that's what we should, inshallah, focus upon. The other thing that I want to say is this. And that's really what I've said so far is the why. Okay, the why. Yani why we should pray, the spiritual reasons why we should pray, the holistic reasons why we should pray. But there's also, there's also a reason here for us to know how to do it properly. Because you might say, well, hey, you know what? I go to the masjid, just copy everyone else. My Muslim, my parents are Muslim, I just copy them. My, you know, everyone's been telling me how to pray. What's, what's there to pray anyway? I can watch a YouTube video and in 15 minutes they tell me, you know, do this, that, whatever, and job done. Yeah? And that's right. That's correct. But actually... If you study the Sunnah of the Prophet you will see a number of narrations which actually focus on very, very intrinsic detail that make the difference between a person who is actually standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and benefiting from it, and the difference between a person who is just standing and wasting his time. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there always observing the people who pray. Always. That's what he said to us in the jamia of Imam Tirmidhi. Hadithun Sahih. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will continue to look at you. Every time you stand in front of, uh, stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you say, Allahu Akbar, what you've just done is that you've entered the sanctity of the prayer. Allah recognizes that. And so he gives you his, your, so he gives you his attention. And then what he said is that then the slave himself will be the one who will turn away. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not turn away. Allah will not turn away. It will be you who will turn away. And your turning away will be being in the moment for Subhanakallahumma, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Alhamdulillahirrahmanirrahim. And maybe by the time you finish Fatiha, you're on to lunch and you're on to the afternoon chores. You're on, you're on to what you're going to do this evening. Who you got a call? Oh my God, I forgot to respond to that email. Blah, blah. And then the dunya takes over and everything is then lost. And then the next thing you know, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. And then how apt that you then say, Oops, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. But you actually self-recognition of just what a, what, a, what a complete mashup you just made of your prayer. And as the famous track said, another one bites the dust. Okay? And that's it. Literally. You had one opportunity and boom, gone. And now you're just hoping to get another chance and get it right. Meaning that a person, a person themselves, when they have this opportunity to pray, Allah, pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's got to be done correctly. And the other authentic hadith narrated by Tirmidhi, the Prophet ﷺ, when he was praying, and of course, the Prophet ﷺ is a miraculous man. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him superhuman powers in various different faculties. And one of those is that he could see behind him. This is something which is the mu'ajiz of the Nabi ﷺ. And in one of the more, more uh, interesting, uh, one of the interesting uh, narrations, 
what, uh, uh, the Prophet ﷺ was leading his companions. And after he finished the prayer, he turned round and he said to this guy who was behind him and at the side. And he said to him, uh, Ya Fulan, hey mister, Allah taqillah. Yani, do you not fear Allah? Have you seen how you pray? Have you actually seen how you perform in this prayer? And he, ca- he called the guy out. He called him out. And this is a person who is standing praying with the rest of the companions. He's actually standing. And so you can't get it wrong. I mean, how can you get it wrong? Because if you're standing there and the companions in between them, then even if you don't know what you're doing, I mean, the person who knows nothing about Islam is a non-Muslim, right? And you've seen when they come and join the prayer, or the new Muslim who just joined, what does he do? Miskin is praying like this, isn't it? Yeah? Right? So if non-Muslim can get the job done, or a new Muslim can get the job done, okay, and actually perform the whole prayer, and it all look perfect, other than when it comes to sitting down, where he sits like, yeah, if he's dying, yeah? But that's what we <laughs> we, we get that, okay? We give him a couple of weeks for that, no problem, alright? But he looks fine, right? So what about an established companion who's praying all the time? How's he going to mess it up? But he didn't mess it up from the outside. But what was clear is that this person is not interesting, not, not focusing on the internal matters of the prayer either. He's not there in the moment. He's not actually standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala correctly. And so we have a very important uh, focus by the Prophet ﷺ placed upon what we should be thinking about and understand the actual physics of the prayer, the actions themselves, and the actual holistic meanings of the prayer, what we're saying. How ridiculous... How much of an aib, which I would call a slur or disgrace, or I don't know what it is, what you want to call it, okay? How shameful that a Muslim will pray his entire life and not be able to give a translation of what he's actually said. So if we were to challenge him and say, what was this word that you said? What does it mean? Of, of why, 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 did, uh, why did Allah say an amta alayhim? Who are these people that you are pleased with? Make me from the people that you are pleased with. Yani who? Who are these people? And then even one or two of the surahs that he recites every single day, numerous times because he doesn't know anymore. Give us the meaning of this. Tell us what the tashahud means. Lillah. Give us a translation. He won't know. He won't know. Or she won't know. And we have to ask ourselves that a person will worship their entire life, put all their trust in this act that they're offering to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they don't even know what they're doing. And if we were to say to this person that I'll give you one month, one month to learn French and I will promise you a promotion in your job which will increase your wages to £4,000 a month and a five-year contract, I swear to you, you will become the, jo- the absolute... I can't even add what kind of superlative or what kind of adjective I'm going to use here, yeah? but the king of languages. You're going to become the Ahmadida of French. You're going to become yani, the king of... Da, 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 da. What's that? The, um, the, uh, the, the name of the cassette series is gone. That's the problem. What's that cassette series called? Rosetta. Who? Rosetta. The Rosetta. That's right. The Re- Rosetta. You'll be on that. You'll be on to eBay straight away. And looking... Well, let's find a cheap copy somewhere. You get that delivered. You'll be listening to that day and night. You won't be going to sleep. Be, yani, you know what? Your missus will say, here's your food. Say, I don't need the food. Because I'm yani, busy. You would learn that language like anything. Because after that month, you know French, and that's for the green, and you're happy as, 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 you know, you're happy as Larry. So I just want to say to you that the effort is possible, the ability is there, but how many people actually understand the importance? Because if we did, we'd do it. We'd do it. I'm not an Arab. I couldn't be far less than an Arab. And I couldn't be, I couldn't be yeah, more non-Arab if I tried. Okay? I come from a, I was born in London. I'm a Cockney. Parents are Pats. 
They did. My parents are so classical packs. They can't stand Arabs. Okay, you know, classic racist, yeah, whatever. Not now, though. Mashallah, my mom's watching me now. We've got to be careful. Yeah, but you know, classic old school. You know, packs. They don't care about anyone else and whatever Arabic log and whatever. You know, how how is it possible? You know, the standard kind of line against the uh, Arabs. How how can Arabic log? Yani, the, the, the Quran came to them and they still don't practice the deen. You know, that whole kind of classic line. So, you know, there was no, no, no benefit in me trying to actually go and learn Arabic and understand it and read it and study it, whatever. But I did it. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm in the average quartile of, of IQ or whatever. Okay? As, yani, I never made it yani, to the higher quartile. I'm average. I'm Mr. Average. I'm Mr. Normal. Jürgen Klopp took it from me, by the way. Okay? I'm not the special one. I'm the normal one. Actually... I'm the good-looking normal one. Huh? Because it would not be right just to say normal. Right? Because I know that Shazad is watching me and he's very happy about Jürgen Klopp. Very happy, so. Um, so, I just want to... I, 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 you know, uh, a lot of people don't really give themselves a chance when they keep putting this kind of matter off. Every single person has the ability to study and take this seriously. It's whether they believe it should be serious enough. Whether they believe that it's important enough. And that's, that's the challenge. That's the challenge. And with the prayer itself, it's a lot easier than it was with Tahara. You will see throughout that we have more people that will be taking part in this because people can relate to it and so on and so forth. However, however, I just want to make something very, very clear. This is a class where we are very, very loyal to our long-term students and we are very, very loyal to the text. And you will not get a lesson like this again. Okay? This is always the nature of the first lesson where I lose my head and just shout and scream a lot. Okay? And... The, 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 you know, had looked at the book, haven't started the actual text. That's the standard of what happens on the first lesson. When you stick to this lesson for the next kind of, I don't know how many years, okay? Four volumes, just to let you know. First volume took us three years. Next four volumes. I've got some moves. I've got some plans. I've got some plans. Um, I think that you'll, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll see that it's obviously a lot more slower. It's going through the book. It's actually trying to understand, you know, the, the actual kind of the law itself. You're not here. What I've done, and I'm unashamedly telling you straight, is that for the last half an hour or 45 minutes, I've given you a khutbah. That's what I've done. I've given you a khutbah about yourselves, what you need to do, the importance of prayer, and whatever. And I don't mind doing that for the first lesson, but it's not going to happen again. And that's something that you have to become mature in. Because, again, it's a big difference between uh, uh, education and edutainment. Okay? Education is something which we should be here for and not edutainment, where I'm trying my very best to use emotional rhetoric to soften your heart or to use jokes to make you laugh so that you feel, you know what, it's worth actually hanging around. I don't feel bored. I don't feel whatever. I don't feel like shooting myself in the head because I'm missing my United play. Whatever. Yeah? It's actually, you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm benefiting from this. I'm, I'm actually, I can, I can connect to this and it is important for me to learn. And there's a time that has to come where I've got to man up and be serious about my life and just stop expecting everything to be a joke or a comedy show or something which is the greatest talk I ever heard or the greatest reminder. I have to now, you know, steal my way through it. So, having said all that, I'd like to read the uh, text, um, at least we can do that, that's the, the very minimum that we can do, where we can read the actual text of the um, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the class itself, and and that means they're reading the Arabic uh, uh, text first, and then the English translation, that's what we're going to be covering over the next few weeks, 
and then you will see then the next section and the next section. So this section here is actually the introduction. So in Arabic, the author, and let me remind you that the author is Imam al-Hajjawi, alayhi rahmatullah, and that this text, which is called Zad al-Mustaqni', it is a mukhtasar or a summarized form of a book that was written by Ibn Qudama al-Maqdisi, the Imam of the Hanbali Madhab. And he, of course, wrote the book called al-Muqni'. And what he did is that he wrote a, this Imam al-Hajjawi came much later, he wrote the summary. Now, of course, many people say, ah, oh, you're teaching fiqh. What madhab are you? What madhab is the fiqh itself? The text itself is a humbly fiqh text. But the explanation to the class is going to be covering the positions of all of the madhab. So there are different people in this class. There are some people here who are strictly Hanafi and only want to hear a Hanafi opinion. And so inshallah, we will endeavor to give that. And there are others who want to follow the text faithfully. They want to stick to the humbly madhab, and then they will take that. There are others who themselves don't have a madhab, which is actually, in my observation of teaching, I've been teaching for a long time now, is the majority of the people in the West. They don't actually have a formal madhab. They've kind of moved away from what they consider to be the kind of dated and more kind of cultural practices of their parents. They view it with a lot of suspicion, which is not fair, to be honest, because a lot of good fiqh from the madahib gets swallowed and thrown out, as they say, you know, with the, with the, you know, with the bathwater. It's basically, you know, everything has been discarded. Where in actual fact, for those people who know and have knowledge, you'll recognize in the actions of your parents, there's a lot of deep uh, wisdom and a lot of correctness as well. And a lot of well-established positions, for example, from the Shafi'i madhab or the Hanafi madhab, the two madhabs, of course, which are dominant in the Muslim world. So I will not stick to any madhab. I don't feel restrict myself. And I am happy for people to follow madhabs because a madhab is a tool. It's a means to an end and not the end itself. And the major problem when people get too obsessed with an imam is that it becomes the end. When it becomes the end, then you lose you know, the plot. Like for example, and, and you, you might think that that's a criticism of the people who are Hanafi, Shafi'i, or Hanbali, or Maliki. In actual fact, no. I believe that they're the more mature of the people who actually follow the deen. I don't think that these folks, the Hanafi, even the extreme Hanafi or the Hanbali or whatever, I don't think that they have taken their madhab as the, the, the kind of the end, the actual objective, which is a, a disgrace if a person does that. Because the objective of using the madhab is to understand the Prophet Sallallahu and the will of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, not to understand the will of men, okay, who are just pawns in the game, okay, for whatever their status. But I'm saying the madhahib have done okay. Actually, I'm talking about the people who say and proudly claim, I don't follow a madhahib, or I'm, I'm Salafi, or I'm Hadith, or I'm X, or I'm Y, or whatever label they give it. I, I just, uh, uh, just to show you, just to prove to you just how ignorant people can be, uh, on Facebook when I posted the, um, uh, I posted the original poster for, you know, we're going to start this Kitab Salah next week, whatever, whatnot. There's a person there, okay, who, uh, who uh, uh, the poster itself, is a person who is praying with his hands on his navel, or just below the navel, okay? The actual poster for the class. If you go back to it and have a look, you can see that the hands are kind of below, yeah? They're kind of on the navel or just below the navel. And someone has basically, uh, I mean, I laugh at the stupidity of it, to be honest. He's put a picture in the comments, and it's a picture of four different people, and I looked and I recognized who they are. They're four imams, and the, the, uh, the, 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 the you know, what's the caption? The caption says, you should pray with your hands on the chest. Look, see all these Imams of Kaaba praying with their hands on the chest. <laughs> Allah, honest to God. Yeah? I mean, you know, this is meant to be the revolution. This is the revival movement against the Madhabs, right? This is meant to be the, the comeback 
to the ignorance and the taqlid of the madhabs. Yani who are doing something which is a million times better, which is following, very very blindly sometimes, the mushtahad, the, 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 the scholarly opinion of true bona fide scholars. And instead, these people, they would throw that out and they'd replace it yani, with a couple of yani, imams, okay, who are from the most fallible or fallible people, who because in his eyes and mind, somehow because he's leading the salat in the Kaaba, gives him some kind of divine status. And so therefore, because this guy prays with his hands on his chest, then this is the way to go. I mean, there's so much ignorance in that picture, I didn't know where to start. And I, I, lost, I, you know, I, I had to catch my breath. I didn't know where to start. I said, do I, talk, do, do, I, do, I, do I respond and say, these two are not the imams of the Kaaba? Okay, right? And, and, and then I said, okay, I won't. And then I said to myself, should I say that this guy, if you look carefully, his hand is not on his chest? And I said, no, 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 I'm not going to. Then I said to myself, should I tell this, this person that all of these people follow the Hanbali Madhab and in the Hanbali Madhab, one of the positions is to actually pray with your hands below the navel? No, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't. Should I say that who on the earth in the history of Islam ever said that an evidence, a legal evidence is the Kaaba itself? No, no, actually, I can't say that because I'll, I'll die. I just didn't know where to start. And so what I just did is I just left it there. I just had to just go on because I would have died. I just would have died. So I'm saying that we are dealing with a, a major issue out there. Ignorance is rife in all camps. And I don't want you to get caught up in this, yeah, in this sectarian nonsense, okay? About um, who am I meant to follow? What mother are you teaching? You're going to lead me astray. You're going to make, make, make me deviant. You're going to get me beats from my parents. Whatever. The last one's probably true. And you've got to be careful about that, okay? You've got to be careful. Be very careful about what you learn here and what you take home. Because what you're showing to your parents and sometimes get you in big trouble. So you know what I'm saying? Maybe lower those hands at home and keep those hands by the side. Don't be yani, getting the urge to do the old flip-flop yani, like that, because you can get the real flip-flop <laughs> So you need to be just aware of that. But this is an academic process. We are here to study these texts academically. We have loyalty only to Allah and His Messenger, and we have loyalty to all of these scholars. They're the ones who show us the way. They're the ones who open our eyes to the various understandings. And so let's at least get this text done. Then we can say that, alhamdulillah, the lesson was... Yani at least something was done. So Kitab al-Salah, the book of prayer, and this is the introduction. So the Mu'allif alayhi rahmatullah, he says, قَالَ الْمُعَلِّفْ تَجِبُ عَلَى كُلِّ مُسْلِمْ مُكَلَّفٍ إِلَّا حَائِدًا وَنُفَسًا وَيَقْدِ مَنْ زَالَ أَقْلُهُ بِنَوْمٍ أَوْ إِغْمَاءٍ أَوْ سُكْرٍ أَوْ نَحْوِهِ وَلَا تَسِحْهُ مِنْ مَجْنُونٍ وَلَا كَافِرٍ فَإِنْ صَلَّ فإن بلغ في أثنائها أو بعدها في وقتها أعاد ويحرم تأخيرها عن وقتها إلا لناوي الجمع ولمشتغل بشرطها الذي يحصله قريبا ومن جحد وجوبها كفر وكذا, تارك وكذا تاركها تهاونا ودعاه إمام أو نائبه فأصر وضاق وقت الثاني عنها ولا يقتل حتى يستتاب ثلاثا فيهما so the translation, and I remind everyone, especially uh, Her, Her, Her Majesty's uh, Secret Service and all the, the spies that are uh, in here and online, that this is a text which is not something that I accept as it stands here. I will explain these phrases. And of course, we believe in democracy and the rule of law over everything before we state anything that's said here. Don't believe that this is my position, even though I would read it out. Thank you very much. And that's my disclaimer. The prayer is obligated upon every legally responsible Muslim, except those who are menstruating or having postpartum bleeding. It has to be made up by anyone losing consciousness from sleep, fainting, intoxication, etc. 
It is not considered valid from someone who is insane or a non-Muslim. However, if a non-Muslim wants to pray, we will treat him like a Muslim. Children are ordered to perform it when seven and physically disciplined for not doing it at ten. If the child was to reach adolescence during the actual prayer or even after it while still within its legal time, then it is to be repeated. It is not permissible to delay the prayer beyond its time unless intending to join prayers or being involved in fulfilling one of the conditions for prayer, a condition which is close to being completed. Whoever denies the obligation of the prayer or doesn't pray out of laziness has committed disbelief. The imam or his substitute should call him back to that prayer. But if he persists and the second of two consecutive prayer times is running out, both perpetrators are still not to be killed until their repentance is sought three times. That is the introductory text to the chapter of prayer or the book of prayer by Imam Al-Hajjawi. And I just want to say, after my little introduction with respect to madhabs and so on and so forth, that people need to, because obviously those are many people here who are new to the class, they'll be getting shocked by that. And they'll be thinking, that's what we're teaching, that's our position, and so on and so forth. And I genuinely want to say that what you're seeing there, and I'm not talking about the, the you know, uh, there are many things that we're going to disagree on, on that page, Okay. But the things that you might be thinking that we're going to disagree on are not the, 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 you know, the things that we should be for legal reasons. It's the more technical facts about if he reaches adolescence in the prayer and has, does he have to pray again, etc. But the other things yeah, they have got to be said. If they've got to be said, they've got to be said. If they're the truth, they're the truth. What I'm just trying to say to you is that it's very important not to be taken or not to be tricked by what the text says. Because the commentary will either make it clear that that's an incorrect position or the commentary will explain what the actual text means. And there might be something completely different. And um, yeah, so with that, I just want to say that I think that because we've gone over the hour and I think that uh, we shouldn't break that structure because once we start, you know, uh, extending it too long, then uh, people then start to get, you know, lose trust that we have an organized system. And of course, you know, 10 o'clock highlights and all that. Um, But uh, um, I want to say a couple of things before we... um, uh, before I break, what is this one here? This is. You've sent me an email here. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So I want you to bear with me for just a few moments because I just need to make a couple of really important announcements and I really appreciate your attention in this. The first of them is something which is a general appeal to the people here and then those who, especially who are online. Um, the, the costs of running this class, you couldn't believe, actually. Because I guess I don't know if anyone thinks that everything is done for free and there's no kind of, you know, we're not hiring a place or something like that. But I can say to you that our costs, we are at, at the last month we were, or over the last six months, we are at uh, 40% of what the costs actually are. So we are having a shortfall of 60%. I don't know if that's the right maths or whatever. Um, so, um, and everyone knows here, I think we've done this before that I won't open this opportunity to donate to, to Logical Progression for more than three weeks because I genuinely believe it's an opportunity and I don't want this to become a charity show, you know, just like, you know, everyone coming to a class and then dreading that there's going to be a fundraiser and whatever. Uh, what I'm saying is this, is that when it comes to Sadaqah when it comes to continuous charity, then there are many things that you can put it into. But the clever money, the business mind, it puts, they put their money into that which would obviously multiply and multiply quickly. And that's why Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he mentioned what Ibn Adam leaves behind when he goes to the grave, 
He not only said Sadaqajariya, but he also said الناس, a knowledge which the people benefit by. And so therefore any person who puts their money into a charity which is continually producing and teaching people who then learn and practice and then teach others, the amount of reward from that is ridiculous. I mean at the kind of materialistic level it's ridiculous. And Nabi Sallallahu said that whoever establishes a good sunnah and then they teach others then the, and then that gets spread on by other people, they will get the reward of all the people who do it without any decrease in the reward of the people who are doing the action itself. So I guess that it's legitimately the only permissible pyramid scheme that, that, that can be out there, okay? That's it, basically. Alright? If you want halal ACN, this is it, okay? Don't buy that nonsense and the ACN people. This is the ACN you give the money to. So I'm saying to you, alright, that... Uh, it is an opportunity. We are looking for some people to be generous and uh, help us with standing orders. Only, even if it's only ten pounds a month, even if it's only five pounds a month. Anyone can give more than that. We'd be very grateful because obviously standing orders give stability and it will secure the class for a long time. So I appeal to you. Uh, the link is on the screen for those who are online and for those who are not. You can, if you're on the portal, you'll see the donate button at the top when you go to logicalprogression.org. Or if you go to propheticguidance.co.uk, our main website, then you'll see the link there as well, where it says donate. And what I want you to do is not do it by PayPal, because that costs you money and us money as well. And that's not the, use, that's not the good use of the money. We're not making this a massive appeal to hundreds of millions of people, so that they can just, we just, you know, are just giving pay to them, just get money. No, we're actually appealing to people who are serious about this, see the vision, believe in it, and therefore, they will actively go to the website. They will actively download the standing order form. They will actually fill it in, pay for their own stamp, post it off, because they believe that, yeah, I'm willing to go through this effort to actually support this and allow my money to work for me. So that's an appeal to, to everyone um, to try and get involved, inshallah. And then after three weeks, I'm going to remove that link. And, and that, will be, that will be it. And we haven't done something like that for, I think, two years now. Um, and, um, and I don't want to do it again, inshallah. And um, the other thing I wanted to say is... And next week, alhamdulillah, we have a, a, a wonderful, um, it will be a wonderful lesson because we have my best mate coming here. Surprise guest, Sheikh Abdul Ghafari, and he ribs me about it all the time. And uh, Sheikh Walid Basuni will be joining us uh, in logical progression. And that's going to be awesome. And of course, those people who are local, then please make sure that you can try to make it to his class on the fiqh of dua and dhikr, which is very nice. And it's being taught in Bradford this weekend, okay? Uh, the Al-Maghrib weekend class this weekend, which is being taught in... Bradford this weekend and there will also be of course the world of dreams which will be taught uh, in London and in Glasgow and in Bradford as well that's happening over the next uh, week he'll be here as well at the BMHC on Tuesday and he'll be here on uh, Wednesday night in, uh, uh, as well inshallah and of course he'll be back for Umfest just to let you know that Umfest will be happening on the 2nd and the 3rd for us here, second of course in Harrogate, which is our closest, and then for the online audience, then of course if that's closest to you, then Birmingham on the Wednesday, the 3rd of January uh, as well. To finish, I want to congratulate the students who have been really with us, you know, solid, studying, revising, and who took the exams. Alhamdulillah, we had, I think, at least 500 people or 800 people take the exam for the year three, and I'm so impressed with that, so impressed, because the majority of people don't take the exam. Because I've become a little bit easy now, in the first year I got, I, taught, I got taught my lesson that basically, you know, playing hardball wasn't working. And, uh, you know, people, they want to study without taking exams. I said, okay, khalas. 
So we let them continue. But those people who took the exams, it's good for you. Yani, you know where you are. You know what you're studying. So I just want to just give a shout out to some of some incredible marks, by the way. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy exam because I don't like easy exams. All right. But it was a difficult exam. I can't say it was the most difficult exam in the world. Yani, I can't say that. But don't do don't, don't do my own best, Yani. But I'm just saying. Difficult so, enough. Huh? Difficult enough. Yeah. Exactly. It's difficult enough. Okay. I mean, it's not you know just the exam coordinator. You know what I'm saying? Yeah? <laughs> so. So, first of all, shout out to Zafar uh, and uh, Idris and Safraz and Widad, of course, the, the student teachers who set up the exam as well and, and run it. It's an awesome uh, thing, by the way. The mock exam, try it out on the, on the thing. Anyway, the highest mark was 98%. 98%. And two students got that. So, Rafi Afarouk from Saudi and uh, Ronaka. I think Ronak is nice, to be honest. Yeah, Ronak. What a beautiful name. What a name. Ronak. Okay, Iyas from the Emirates. So they got uh, 98%. And then we had five students who got 96%. MashaAllah. So we had Noman Hassan from the States, Tawseef Zaman, MashaAllah from Canada, and Simon Siddiqui and Sikhir Razak from the UK. And we had uh, Shuhada uh, bint uh, Faisal from Singapore. And then we had five students who got 95%. We had uh, uh, Shamira in, in Malaysia, Abdul Nasser, MashaAllah, in front of us. And uh, we had Sister Marjan, MashaAllah, from the States. And Ruhi, Sister Ruhi as well, one of our uh, best students as well, mashallah. Then we had 10 students who got 94%. Um, and uh, uh, in, in, from them, Su'ad Zaman, Amina, Nihad as well, and Tahani. And then eight students from 93%. Uh, eight students got 93%, for, including Imran Siddiq from UK, uh, Kiran Mushtaq from UK, Timur uh, Khan as well from the uh, UK, and Maria and so on. What's interesting is the demographics, okay? The top student demographic, and this kills me. <laughs> Maybe we can cut this out, Yanni. Is the USA, okay? The USA. <laughs> the Yanks came top, okay? The Yanks came top. The Brits came second, okay? The Brits came second, and the Canadians came third. Saudi came fourth, Singapore came fifth, Malaysia came sixth. Malaysia came sixth, man. That's a fall. Malaysia got up their game, man. And the Emirates became came seventh. That's in the top kind of the top the top kind of tier, okay. And the other weird fact to close with is the coolest names from the people who took the exams, okay. <laughs> so the first name is well, there's only one name. The other one I'm not going to use, okay. But the this is Koya Koya Kati Jamila Bibi, okay. Now, if you were to read that from an Urdu accent, that would be the most craziest name ever. Okay? But I'm not. I'm going to read it in English way, and so therefore it keeps it nice and cool and PC. So anyway, alhamdulillah, zakmullah khair. Um, I really, again, I really appreciate everyone uh, turning out. I hope that you recognize that from next week, the emotional rhetoric is gone, and we go straight into the linguistic and technical meanings of salah, and it's time to actually proper study. Bismillah ta'ala. Zakmullah khair everybody for attending. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Subhanakallahu wa bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfiruka Allahumma wa atubu ilayk.